You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Cast, your ultimate answer for fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you. This time, we're going to talk about movies that are so bad, they're good. And before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So, starting off, the man who told me he is the king of bad movies, he is also one half of the two-headed snake that is the American Sci-Fi Classics track, and that is Joe Crow. Yo, Joe! How are you doing, Joe? Nathan, thank you very much. It's been, I think the last time I was on your thing was we were talking about Black Lightning. That was, that's probably right. Yeah. So I'm very excited to be back with you jive turkeys once again. <laughs> and um, this is going to be, we're going to, we're going to dive deep on, on, on this one. There's going to be a ton of scary, freaky, dis, dis disquieting films on our list <laughs> i can't wait and that's just manimal i mean <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, is a tv a film. show will yeah that is <laughs> a tv show will actually actually joe have you or anyone else made like a manimal supercut movie uh not yet but <laughs> now now <laughs> you can edit down the eight episodes eight episodes right you can edit them down into like a feature Eight glorious episodes, yes. <laughs> I can make this happen. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to Dragon Con. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's not like you don't have a forum in which to air such a movie. Yeah, I know. It's if only I had five full days of programming to fill at, at Dragon Con. Yeah. Once you finish with that, you can do one for Cop Rock. I can oh. totally do one for Cop Rock. Don't, don't give me ideas, JD. This this will happen. Yeah, uh, I mean, if if you need a guy to do it, uh, Mike Nelson did like a supercut of the Star Wars prequels, and uh, sweet. Yeah, he he would be a person to look up. Oh, I think I think uh, Gary Gary Mitchell, my co-director. I think they're buddies. I think they. Yeah, uh, they, yeah, yeah. They are. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, and um, there is a, a, in fact, another panelist of ours, Michael Williams. Um. He did a podcast that was just Cop Rock. It, it was just like eight episodes or however long Cop Rock was. So um, this we could make this happen. All right. Well, I am making things happen on my show, so that is pretty cool. <laughs> it's good to have you back on the, on the show, Joe. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. And next up is someone that usually doesn't talk to us about bad movies, because we're usually talking about the MCU, and that is J.D. Jackson. How are you doing, J.D.? Hi. How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing all right. How are you? 
I thought about nominating the Eternals just to piss you off. We're going to get into the distinction between movies that people are mistaken about being bad when they're good and a movie that is so bad it is good because there's there's a difference. <laughs> I'm happy but, to be back. Uh, well, good. good. <laughs> anything, uh, anything exciting uh, happened to you since the last time you were on? Which was what, like I don't know, like a three weeks ago. Almost. Three weeks ago, I, yeah. I've <laughs> I've been here real recently. Uh, nothing has changed materially in my life, um, and I look forward to uh, just generally being a fly in the ointment of how your show works. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <nice. laughs> Great. Well, it's good to have you back, JD. It's good to be back. Right. And next up is a man who's always a fly in the ointment. He's always also been with us recently, and he is someone that loves to talk as much as I do, and that is Will. How are you doing, Will? I'm just swimming in that ointment, baby. <laughs> I'm doing I great. Mean, we kind of already talked about, you know, a bad movie recently because we talked we about Thor, Love, and Thunder. Yeah, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to add that to the list just to f*** you up. No. <laughs> I mean, I think you have more of a basis for that one than Eternals, but that's, right. that's just me. I agree. I, I don't understand. Somebody explained to me how one of those is ranked higher than the other on Rotten Tomatoes and all that. We can get into that argument again. No, I'm great. Great to be back. It's always, always fun, and I'm glad to have this group. I think I've done a podcast with each of these people individually, so I've hit, that, I've hit the target. Woo! Oh yeah, no, uh, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point because yeah, I think most of you know each other, but I think some of you don't, and I just realized that. But uh, I don't know that oh, I've well. met. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I, I don't think I've met JD. And yes, I, I have not met you yet. But uh, Hi, here we this is um, here we go here we go welcome. <laughs> I've been on with Knives, Jackson, and Crow, so... <laughs> yeah, this, this is my fault. I usually do introductions before we start a show, because I'm usually like, oh, yeah, like, you don't know this person and whatever. Like, Joe, do you know Daviar? I do not. Oh, okay. Um, um, good to meet you, sir. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Same to you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Apparently, Kelly isn't doing her job, because Kel I, I got Daviar from an American sci-fi and fantasy Boom. track. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. uh, a virtual panel. Yeah. And so, sh Kelly should be introducing all of her people to you, Joe, because yeah, you guys well, so, are like so, affiliated so, tracks. So, like, Daviar, you know, next you door. Just, we're on the same floor at, at, at Dragon Con. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Down, yeah. But, I'm pretty sure we haven't met because I have never been to a Dragon Con. Come on, JD. <laughs> I my problem is I don't like uh, people. people. Yeah, <laughs> like understood. A lot of them in one place is a problem. For that's, me. Why all, that's why we all hang out in Joe's room, though. So I mean, there's uh, not a lot. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I do. That's yeah. <laughs> at Dragon Con, the best thing to do if you want yes. to avoid people is become a director so you have this big space <laughs> just to hang out by yourself. 100 <laughs> percent Yep. All right. Will anything anything new and exciting happen to you in the last like two weeks since you were on? Uh, I started my official library job. Uh love it. Um glad to be back on. All right, very cool. And it's good to have you back on. And finally. As I've already telegraphed, <laughs> we have on a man who also fittingly 
his first association with the 42 cast was on a Howard the Duck panel that we did Perfect. for yeah. the American Perfect. Sci-Fi Classics track for nice. uh, their YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, and yep. it's Daviar. How are you doing, Daviar? I'm doing so well, my friend. And I cannot wait to see what the selections are going to be, how, what we're going to talk about, how much how much fun we're going to have with this, because there's a lot of different ways we can go with this. So I'm just interested to see what are the paths that we take when, our, when, we, when we think of this particular subject. So I'm excited. I'm ready. Thank you. All right. Very good. You're welcome. It's always good to have you on. Love it. Thank you. All right. So next up, you know what time it is? It's our five minute controversy. And that's where we talk about something that is going on in the Geekosphere so that you get a little bit of insight into us. It also helps us unwind a little bit before we talk about our topic. So today's topic is an article that came out a few weeks ago at time of recording where Roger Corman, who who knew Roger Corman was still with us, right? That was my first. I swear, I saw that he just died. I do because Roger Corman will never die. (laughs) (laughs) I looked it up. He's 94 years old. But Roger Corman is still with us, and he said, like, oh, you know, the MCU could really learn from James Cameron because the MCU is just effects flicks, and James Cameron is, like, where it's at for story. So, (laughs) I had a reaction reading that right off the bat, but I'm curious what you guys thought before I put in my two cents. So, let's start with you on this one, Will. What, 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 uh, What is your reaction to that statement? Um, one... It's Roger Corman. I mean, we're not talking about an Arturo film. You brought up earlier when we were just talking about this, you know, Scorsese, you've heard, you know, we've heard so many people, you know, bash, you know, the MCU here. Like, mm-hmm. Really, Roger? Really? <laughs> all effects and no story. Okay, that's all his film. Every single one of Roger Corman's movies, I mean, are, are horribly written. Yeah, he has no right to say anything. And... I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> they're so lovely. You're like, wow. Thanks, Roger. Thank you. Yeah. So. Okay. All right, Daviar. You know what? I'm gonna give Roger a little bit more respect because I think Robert's films, uh, Roger's films, are what they are by intention rather mm-hmm. than incompetence. So, and and for someone who's been in the business as long as as he, as he as he has, I'm gonna give him respect for his for his knowledge of the industry, despite what his what what your take on his you know on, on what our individual takes on the films may be. So I'll give the man his his respect in that regard. And I do think there is some credence to what he's saying, particularly with where Marvel is now. Because Marvel is kind of in this phase where after the the brilliance of the Infinity Saga, they're kind of in this, okay, where do we go from here phase? And I think what he's saying now might hold a little relevance, more relevance than it would have maybe like three years ago when we were doing Infinity, uh, Infinity Wars and Endgame. So I think if, if that comment came out then, we can all just say, what are you talking about? But I think now, when they're out of their last six movies, there have been some seriously questionable choices that some of us have already had debates on, on various podcasts. I think the focus of, hey, Marvel, don't forget what got people really invested in you was story first. When we go back and look at the first Captain America, the first Avenger, the first Iron Man, all those things were, you know, the story and the characters are what got us there first. And so just kind of keeping a focus on that rather than just content, 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 content. And ooh, look at the look at the prettiest special effects that we can do with the, with the things now. So I think there is some validity to what he's saying, despite who the messenger is. 
Okay, I'm just going to say though, I'm not sure that Roger Corman has the nuance to cut off at phases. I think he's talking mm. about the entire catalog of MCU. I don't know that he's like thinking like, you know, yeah, oh, like just just yeah. just phase four is all I'm talking. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh -huh. he is more like you know uh, aware of that than than I think. But yeah, he's 94. He could have just had the movies described to him by friends of his. <laughs> How much time does a man who's 94 have? Maybe you don't want to be spending time watching watching 28 movie. movies. You don't think so? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he just saw the first 30 minutes of all of them and then fell asleep because you yeah. know. <laughs> but, but, okay, you say they need to follow the James Cameron path. But that's the one that that's the comment that just makes me go. Uh, well, James I, 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 hold on, that's that's. We'll see. We have two more people to talk. All right. right. So, Joe, since you spoke up, what do you think about this? I, I'm, I'm, I've given Roger Corman so much of my money <laughs> <laughs> over the years that um, I feel like I owe him a, a, a response to this. And I'm like, I, I want to say I, I get where you're coming from in the sense that only that they the the uh, in, in the search for clickbait everyone asks every movie director the same question and because no I, I I'm not saying Roger Corman specifically has this feeling but if you ask uh, directors probably further down on the success list, and Roger Corman in his genre, they're gonna, of course, bag on the MCU because they have not been hired to do things in the MCU. Um, but at the same time, dude, you know, your lane is here and the MCU's lane is here. Um, pick one. I don't know. I, I, I don't wanna bash Roger Corman, but at the same time, dude, James Cameron, well, why? James Cameron has done one movie in the last 12 years. And I think, or it's been longer, I think. And um, how many Marvel movies have come out in the last 12 years? Granted, I know that one guy didn't do all of them, but come on guys, uh, straighten up Roger. And James Cameron. I don't know what James Cameron may have said, but he needs to straighten up too. Well, I sometimes wonder if Corman is just salty about what happened with the Fantastic Four film, which he thought he was making legitimately, only to later find out the studio only commissioned it because they wanted to keep the rights and not because... Well, <laughs> and so um, he might have like an anti-Marvel, even though it's not Marvel's fault either, but he might have an anti-Marvel sentiment too. Well, uh, not to spoil my list, but we might get into that a little bit later. Okay. I was about to say, uh -huh. there you go. <laughs> All right, JD, what do you think about this? Uh, I mean... I don't want to spend too much time striking back on all oh, the MCU doesn't know what it's saying or is lost in its storytelling right now because nice. like it clearly has a direction that it's building and you don't have to like the story that it's telling to like there, there's a difference between not liking the story that it's telling or not finding it as interesting as the Infinity Saga and feeling like they're not telling a story. They clearly have a direction that they're building to. That aside, James Cameron might be the worst director to pull from as far as somebody who is like master of storytelling at the expense of effect. 
Did you see Avatar, <laughs> Roger? <laughs> Look, I enjoyed I enjoyed the third telling of Dances with Wolves as much as anybody else did, but that movie is nothing but spectacle and has the waferous thin story to go with it. I mean, you can argue the same thing for Titanic, which is just, hey, what if I take a real world disaster that is already written for me and lightly throw a romance on top of it? James Cameron hasn't written anything with depth or originality since The Abyss. Like, this is the worst person to pull this from. Um, I mean, that that's more where my problem with it comes from. I have no problem with Roger Corman having an opinion about the MCU or, or him not really liking its storytelling, although check your own works, Roger. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you're going to go down that road, like, use a director that actually makes the point that you're trying to make, I guess, is where I come from with it. Yeah, that was going to be my point too, JD, because to me, I've always held up James Cameron as the example of a director who puts effects over story, because it seems to me like he usually comes up with some technology or effect. And then he's like, oh, I got to base a movie around this. So even like everybody yeah. loves Terminator 2, but I'm like, he got the liquid metal thing and he was like, I got to do something with this. And that's what Terminator, Terminator 2 doesn't have a great plot, people. It is a great action <laughs> popcorn flick, but it doesn't have a great plot. It was just to have that liquid metal. He wrote Titanic because he got way into deep sea diving and he wrote Avatar because he got way into 3D filmography. Like, right, yeah. That's I'll, why those movies exist. Right, like you say, like The Abyss is a great example of him doing good storytelling. But I mean, like, he makes so many movies that are just about the effects and then with just something loosely peppered around it. And so it's like, this is not the director you should hold up as, oh my God, just the most amazing stories. Effects are secondary. He's just all about story. Like, and to me, it's like the MCU has a far greater success rate on that idea. Yes. Yeah, we've gotten a few lately that are kind of skewing it the other way. But if you take the whole catalog of 28 or however many movies, the MCU does a far better job on story than I would say if you took the entire catalog of James Cameron films. And they've done a really good job with spectacle. Let's, you know, they, uh, mm -hmm. they, they, they've really done a good job of using spectacle to expand the story. Right, but I what mean, I'm saying is that the spectacle is because of the story, no, not no, that's why I have point. a spectacle and let's build a story yeah. around it. No, so. no, I'm saying that they do a better job with it, is what I'm saying, is that they use their spectacle to tell a good story. You know, right. so mm -hmm. instead of just Cameron, it's, I have a way of showing you something. Right. I will well, um, right. Before we started, my comments about Roger Corn were just me kind of laughing because he's known as the B movie director. You know, like mm -hmm. he, he's he is the B movie director. Right. right. So I'm like, it's kind of funny for him to weigh in on this anyway. But to me, the James There's... Cameron thing is the far bigger thing to talk about. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I have one more thing, and then you guys mm -hmm. can continue with your five minute controversy that I hope does not stretch <laughs> to 45 minutes, please. <laughs> um, but. There was more storytelling in Britney Spears' Oops, I Did It Again oh, no. video oh, that no. related to Titanic than no. is in the actual Titanic movie. So no. now I'm done. I can't believe you guys are going to put me in a position to have to try to. I'm not going to defend James Cameron. Yeah, that's, that's fine. 
I guess if I remove the example of, of maybe he just pulled James Cameron out because he's he's night he's in his late nineties. Like that's the first guy that came to his head. He's also his protege. Was that Cameron's also Roger Corman's protege? Yeah. So it's like yeah, you know. Yeah. So, it's, so it's that yeah, that's the name. So I, I think it's less about James Cameron compared to the MCU and more about Roger Corman, kind of incorrectly as a lot of these legends you know tend to do. And I still will put Corman you know in a in a legendary yeah. category just from from, oh, his, from 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 the you know from the girth of his work and, and the time period. It's just that there's this clear sense that they're they've always had a disrespect for what Marvel has done, as so many in the industry have. And, well, I, and so, and, and I think that is in a, it's, it's of course missing the boat to think that Marvel has always been a special effects first uh, 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 series. I mean, there's no way you survive this long and have this much success if you're just one note. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think, but I, I would say that I think that is something to always keep in mind as you continue on. Is despite the fact that 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 they might still have a plan, that plan can get watered down over time because that's just natural. The more you continue something on, the more success becomes less of a reach for you. It's just natural to be for your material to become watered down. So it wouldn't hurt for them just to stay focused on, let me take the nuggets. They won't do this, of course, but let me take the nuggets from what maybe Roger Corman is saying that I can take and the rest will just brush aside. That feels weird that we just got transported into a discussion about phase two again. Because <laughs> that's exactly what people said about phase two of the MCU is, Oh, well, these movies are starting to get watered down, and I what what what's the point? They're starting to be more spectacle, and uh, oh, sure. I remember how down on the MCU everyone was after Thor: The Dark World, and then they still pulled off, you know, both of the Avengers movies. So I like I don't know. Yeah, people have always said that, of course, one hundred percent. But uh, but clearly there hasn't been a six film run like there has been now, where there's this been this many consistent missteps from my personal take. Okay, so uh, we are now coming uh, to the end of our five-minute conversation. <laughs> that doesn't dominate the show. Will, since you haven't spoken up with the last little bit, you can give us the last word if you've got one. Um, let's, you know, let's just remember, you know, Hashtag James Cameron. Free Brittany. Yeah, no, right, exactly. Free James. Um, <laughs> can we save our judgment until Avatar Two comes out here? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Fair. yeah, all right. Fair. All right. If Fair. Avatar Two. They can't do Fern Gully again, right? <laughs> oh, but this time it's in water. Oh, okay. So they're doing Water World. That's Fern Gully in water, not this time, not in the forest. So it's clearly different. It's a different story. I have I have wanted to see a recreation of Kevin Costner's Water World, so I am excited for the next Avatar movie. All right, with the invocation of Waterworld, we are done with this conversation. <laughs> Although if somebody plans on bringing that up, you know, uh, later on in this podcast, valid. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's the end of our five-minute controversy. Um, we're... <laughs> We're going to pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast, and then we're going to come back to talk about movies that are so bad they're good. This Labor Day weekend, fandom is calling. Let Michael, Mike, Darren, and Jen help you answer the call with the latest news, notes, tips, and tricks on the DragonCon Report. Available as an audio podcast, visit DragonConReport.com, and for the first time ever, watch us on video via Facebook Live and YouTube. We want to help you celebrate your fandom in all the best ways. So listen up, and we'll see you at the con.
And we're back. And like we talked about at the beginning of the show, we're going to talk about movies that are so bad they're good. And so I want to make a distinction here because when I first mentioned this topic in the group, I got suggestions about things like Krull. Krull is a movie that a lot of people have said bad things about, but Krull is actually a great movie. That is not Krull a movie is a that movie. is so bad. That Amazing, movie. Bad. Amazing movie. <laughs> I mean, so the difference is this. A movie that's so bad is good is a movie that you have to agree is a movie on its merits that are you you're like yes i can analyze this movie and tell you all the reasons why it's bad but i still love it that is a movie that is so bad it's good to say like oh there's a lot of haters for this movie but i love it and so therefore this is a movie that's so bad it's good that is a completely different thing so 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 my joking example of curl the person who bring up brought up the example agrees with me that curl is a good movie but he brought it up because he's like there's a lot of haters uh, that's not it's not a movie that's so bad it's good a movie that's so bad it's good is one is that you agree it is awful but i love it anyway so the one that we're not going to go to the mat defending its merits <laughs> <right>? here <laughs> exactly. like, i can tell you the legitimate reasons why it's bad but i love it anyway so uh I, i'm kind of curious i think i want to hold joe for last just because he's the king apparently so <laughs> i i want him to wow us <laughs> oh 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 i will okay wow all right, so um, uh, JD, uh, let's start with you on this. Give us your first movie that is so bad that it's good. I'm going to go with 2006's The Wicker Man starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Nicolas Cage because is a good one for this topic. Objectively, this movie is dog even compared to the original, which is, it's considered a cult classic, but I, I don't think it's as good of, as, of a movie um, as I think people think that it is. It, it's very slowly paced. This movie is not slowly paced. It is bonkers. It is crazy from the first minute, and it keeps that craziness going through the entire movie. It's one of the only movies I've ever watched where I have legitimately had to pause the movie and go, what the hell did I just look at <laughs> and, and do it multiple times? Um, Nicolas Cage is, uh, I mean, there are so many memes about <clears throat> Nicolas Cage in this movie, but he is the most him in this movie that you could possibly find aside from maybe Bad Lieutenant and Mandy. Um, otherwise he is just the most unhinged Nicolas Cage you can get. He punches a woman in a bear costume at one point in this movie. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not a movie that anyone should go back to multiple times, but I, mm. I feel strongly that it's a movie that you have to experience at least once, preferably <laughs> high, and absolutely in a group of other people. <laughs> All right. So Ooh. anyone else want to either defend the Wicker Man or uh, put in your comments? Can I, can I say this? Can we just dedicate the show to Nick Cage and his, his bad <laughs> movies that everybody loves? <laughs> because, because it's easy to name a bad Nick Cage film movie. It's hard to name really that great Nick Cage movies. <laughs> I mean, even his best works, you're going, 
<laughs> Did they hold up well? Is it that good? Uh, the um, Nicholas Cage in the last few years has become so much more Nicholas Cage mm, right. than he mm-hmm. ever oh, was. Yeah. Well, he's self-parodying he's, now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's realized how much money there is in being Nicholas Cage, so he has leaned all the way into it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm there with him. I, I love. Uh, it. Um, I mean, results are varied, but I don't blame him. <laughs> no. A yeah. um a, a a panel that we did at DragonCon a couple of years ago got so far beyond out of control that we're doing it again <laughs> this year. We did a tournament of Nicolas Cage's roles. Ooh. So oh. they all had to fight oh. each other. Oh. And it oh. went off Why the rails almost immediately. Oh. There was Ghost Rider against Ghost Rider at one point took on the angel from that movie with him and Meg Ryan. City of Angels. Angels. I thought very hard about putting Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance in here in my top three because that movie everyone hated. It is the same kind of attitude throughout, except that one doesn't even rely as much on Nick Cage as it does Neville Dean and Taylor are just insane filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just just to JD, uh, inspired choice because you know, the thing about it is, and Joe, you kind of hinted at it for me is whenever Nicolas Cage is in a film, I'm ready to take that journey because if yeah. nothing else, I know I'm just going to have a damn good time. And JD nailed it, especially if you're have the right uh, uh, inebriations as you go into <laughs> a Nicolas Cage movie. Like you can set you can set your own degree of the fun that you're going to have. And 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 I've got to say, for me, no matter how wild the movie is, he still tends to bring it. He's never walking through one of these zany movies that he's in, and I love him for it. And so I appreciate what Nicolas Cage brings to the industry, and I'm always <laughs> interested. He has he has yet to bring Bruce Willis and cop out energy to yes. any movie that I have ever seen him in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he didn't dial still... it in. I mean, yeah, he never dials it in. I mean, even in Face Off, when Nick Cage <laughs> is doing his best, John Travolta and uh, John Travolta doing his best, Nick Cage. I mean, they take it seriously. And I mean, that's another one of those. It's so bad. I love it. And so we could have done a whole show on Nick Cage movie on how my bad. Well, we should. I'm down. You know, I'm here's down the funny it. thing. All right. I wasn't, didn't want to get off and make it the Nick Cage podcast, but here's. <laughs> here's my two cents on nick cage because you know i'm always thinking about superhero stuff and you know like i was horrified with the idea of the nick cage superman movie based largely not on the fact that it was nick cage playing superman but on his comments that he made while they were thinking of making it about how he wanted superman to not be a boy scout and i was like wait what what character you you know this is years before Zack snyder I was about to say, and Zack Snyder <laughs> took that personally this is, this is and wrote that movie. in the late 90s, you know, that I was like, what's the point of doing a Superman movie if you're going to be, a, I hate the costume, I hate the attitude, I'm going to do a completely different, like, a dark Superman. And I was like, what? But um, his role in Kick-Ass, where he was basically Batman, I want to see a Batman, like Nick Cage doing Batman after watching Perfect. that performance. Because again, it's just a little too, it's just ratcheted up a little too high so it becomes somewhat parodying, but it was great. I was like, I am here for this character. I That's a good call out. Him. I forgot how much I love him in that movie. That's yeah. a great call out. <laughs> I forget yeah. the name of the character he plays in the movie, but he was Big amazing Daddy. in Big it. Daddy. Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> 
BD himself. So yeah, I would love to see uh, with, with with what's going on in WB. Who knows? That might just end up happening because God knows they don't know what they're doing in DC anymore. But we're anyway. On, we're on our second 10-year plan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're on their third 10-year plan. Third, third 10-year plan. The third first one was the Snyder plan. Now then they yeah. were on like the sort of revised plan and now it's the post-discovery 10-year plan. Yeah. So God knows. Anyway, all right, all right. Will, what is your first choice? Hmm. Oh, man, there, there's so many. Um, all right. My thing is, is, I don't know if this is too obscure. It's one of those, you know, you just want to... I'm not, oh, Will, I'm not, how dare you? Keep going. No, no, I'm just saying, it's, I'm talking about, not for this crowd. No, I'm just talking about in general. It is a parody from the early 80s called Hysterical. Hmm. And if you've not seen it, it is horrible. It is absolutely horrible. But it does have that just comedic charm. I mean, you've got the... Describe got the it a little, because I'm not sure right. if anyone else has seen it, but I certainly haven't. Okay. Has anyone else seen it first? No. Oh, my gosh. Right. Okay, so it is a parody of the uh, uh, Friday the 13th films, Halloween. Huh. It is a parody of The Fog. It is... It's, um, Wait, this is early 80s? 1983. Okay. So... So um, it is, uh, it's got Jaws from J uh, James, you know, James Bond. I can't think of the actor's name. It's got Richard Keel. Yeah, thank you. It's got the mayor from Jaws. It's just got all, it's got, it's got all like all the C-list actors Bro, from hell. all these major franchises. And it, they just make this amalgam zombie film. And it's just, it's zany as all get out. The effects are horrible, but I love it. I, I watched this movie and I'm going, this is not good, but this is so great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sounds like a fun movie. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it, it, honestly scary movie, and a lot of the, the these you know the last twenty years of parodies owe so much to that because it captured that National Lampoon's feel, wow. but it never took off because again it didn't have anyone in it that would just attract any attention, and you can't find it streaming anywhere. You can't. I mean, it's just it's gone. It's it's hard to find. Hmm. But it's it's a fun one. If people if you really love a good parody and you love those eighties movies, watch it those 70s 80s horror films watch it yeah that's that sometimes happens because it's like everybody looks to austin powers as like the like oh like the the spoof of the spy movies and you know austin powers is so great but it's like you know i i saw the original casino royale uh, right. from the 60s which austin powers owes a huge amount to that movie yes. you know people don't mm -hmm. realize that that's where a lot of the jokes in austin powers came from so um yeah, it's interesting how sometimes movies become obscure, but actually influence, you know, a lot of movies that come mm, afterwards. Exactly. Um, but uh, all right, Daviar, what's your first choice? All right. So, you know, so I got a background in theater. So I kind of love I love musicals. And around uh, 2012, I got introduced to one of the most batch musicals I would ever see. And it, it was created in 2008. Uh, and that is Repo, the oh, genetic the opera. opera. Uh -huh. <laughs> and Repo, the genetic opera, to give it a quick breakdown, is this futuristic world where society is basically crumbled and, but, uh, but, but, and, and there's this massive, like, run of, like, organ failures. So Paul Sorvino, who plays Roti, uh, uh, who plays Roti Lagos, is is the, the head corporate businessman who decides, I will sell you organs that 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 you can sign on the line and you can have organs so you won't die, but you've got to pay me back in my my installments. If you miss a payment or you're delinquent on your your payments, I will send the repo man who will come and pull your organs out of your body. 
because you did not make payments. And this is a musical. <laughs> and it, it is a $8 million budget musical. How it had an $8 million budget, I cannot even tell you how it got that high of a budget. It's also, uh, <laughs> it's also directed by Darren Bozeman. Mm-hmm. Darren Bozeman and stars Anthony Stewart Head for all the Buffy fans out there. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell yep. you, and so I got to like tell you. Is like an $8 million dollar movie and about 800K made it on screen? Oh, oh, oh my God. It is an $8 million <laughs> movie and the, and the overall gross was $198,000 worldwide. And I so, got to tell you, I think every penny of that $8 million <laughs> makes it on screen. <laughs> like, yes, yes, because it's got like some PlayStation-esque like special effects when we do the world building. And wonderfully enough, it opens with a comic panel spread to give you the history and set the foundation of the movie. But this is all terrible. Oh, yes. And also the movie has a supporting star in Paris Hill who plays Roti's daughter, who is, yeah. you know, the mm-hmm. heir to the Ginkgo uh, throne. And Ginkgo is the company that sells the uh, the organs to everyone. And the movie is a, this is the good and, and shittiness of the movie, or the good and horribleness of the movie. It is a modern day Rocky Horror. Except how Rocky Horror has very catchy and memorable songs, this okay. movie doesn't. There is not a single memorable or, mm. or, 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 or song that makes sense in the entire movie. But Anthony Stewart Head sells the ever-living God out of it and is on screen giving it his all for the hour and 30 minutes of the movie. I don't want to spoil it for a lot of people, but I will say there is a scene that when a major character is doing a song, her surgically replaced face falls off in the middle of that song. I will say that there are, and Anthony Stewart Head uh, has this great duality of roles uh, in the movie that that is that is great, that is really fun to watch. And also another character offs themselves by uh, gouging out their eyes and then later falling on a spiked fence uh, while singing an operatic song. So it is, as has already been said out to us, if you can watch this movie inebriated with whatever that is you take, uh, it will be the time of your life. So Repo, <laughs> the genetic opera. Well, all that, I, and, it, and it made cats money. It did. <laughs> no, it wish it made cats money. It wish it I will did. Say, no, about 100K, that's about what cats made, right? <laughs> I, I will say, I, I that movie came out at a specific time in my life where I mm. loved it unironically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I there is a time in my life probably 10 years ago where I would have fought about this being a good movie, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but <laughs> I've matured in my taste a little bit. And it takes a little bit more than just like graphic violence set to music for me to be like, oh, that's a masterpiece now. <laughs> and JD, you're not Although you're wrong. selling it for me. Now I want to watch it. You you're should. not wrong. It, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like just dark and campy enough it's, to just be just a great it. time, but it misses it. You right. know, well, here's the thing. I'm actually very much not a musical person. Like that's usually like enough to just turn me off to something. But this mm-hmm. sounds fun, so I because I you like like what? say like uh um, Doctor Horrible sing along blog. Yeah, you, uh, you know. So like there are some musicals I will watch. You know. I, so I think I think what keeps it from getting there for me is Rocky Horror doesn't know that it's Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. Repo, knows Repo knows that it's trying yeah. to yes. be Rocky Horror, <laughs> In every and way. just that little bit of cynicism knocks it away. <laughs> if it had just been a little more earnest and not mm. trying 
to be like, no, we're making a cult classic here. Yes. I well, think that would have put it over the top. There are literally, there's literally a character in here who is an exact carbon copy of Riff Raff from Rocky Horror. So yep. they, they are clearly distinct. But I will say, Nathan, to your point, this is exactly the kind of musical for people who hate musicals. Because yeah, okay. it's got yeah. so much going on. So yes. okay. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Well, it's also it's also the fact it's still better than Jude Law's Repo that came out pretty much the same year. So um, just a heads up on that. It's a very similar plot. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same movie. Exactly, Bob. Yes. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go before Joe because, again, I want him to wow us. So uh, I, I have to do it. And even though we've already done like sort of a panel on it, I've got to say Howard the Duck for me is a movie that I absolutely enjoy watching. It is Same. a bad movie. I mean, like mm -hmm. I, I won't tell anybody it's not a bad movie, but I enjoy watching that horror. I mean, it's got like implied bestiality it's got like duck boobs in it it is like <laughs> so weird and off the wall um i actually think that the animatronics look good i know some people say that they're awful but for like 1986 i think the animatronics look good so i'll give them that but like the thing like the performance um when uh Oh God, I, I forgot the uh, the character's name, but uh, you know the guy who you know gets taken over by the dark overlords of the universe and the whole I am the dark overlord <laughs> of the universe, you know that stuff. Like again, it's just like people are overacting. People are you know Taya Leone's trying to like do her best, you know, with this movie, but you know, and I love her for it. Don't get me wrong, I love her for it, and she was she was hot, <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's so much that is just dumb or weird or crazy crazy about that movie and it probably does help that i first saw it when i was like seven you know like so i mean yeah. <laughs> but but yeah i've always loved that movie i've always enjoyed it. i can watch it now and enjoy because you know, there's some movies that i liked as a kid but now i watched them like ooh, what did i like about this but i i still think howard's fun um so that that's my pick and we can all thank George Lucas for that movie. Given That's, me. Right. Yes, again. <laughs> That's the other weird thing. It's just like it's a Lucas movie. I know. Um, <laughs> George Lucas hits left and made right, the but then... first Marvel character theatrical mm -hmm. movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the entire MCU rests on Howard the Duck's shoulders. Ryan right. Guthrie that makes that argument on this podcast on a fairly regular basis that that Howard the Duck started the MCU. The one yeah. thing I, I agree with you, I think Howard the Duck is is also it's one of those movies that it's bunk, like absolutely insane, but in a fun way. Yes. The only mark that I hold against it is it legitimately killed Leah Thompson's career. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah did. Leah Thompson. Oh God, I called her Taylor Leone. Yeah, yeah, For some reason, those two names like in my head. Like Tim Robbins escapes this movie and has a really good career afterwards. Leah Thompson does not get the same grace afforded to her. Well, I think it's because Tim Robbins didn't have sex with the duck. I think that's what saved Tim Robbins. Sometimes you get paid to have sex with the duck on film. I mean, but can we say that? Because, I mean, she came back for Back to the Future 2 and 3, which were both big movies. So, I mean, those were after Howard the Duck. Yeah, but they were so minor parts compared to she was fairly yeah, minor her, in her them. screen I mean, time was paired on, way she, down in she those moved, movies. She she moved to, she moved to TV at that point too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah. I mean, she's made a career for herself as a director, you know, so I mean, mm-hmm. she's yeah. she's still doing stuff. But yeah, no, I, I, I would have loved to have seen her starring in more movies, you know, also. But uh, but yeah, I, I love Howard the Duck. I think it's a fun movie. Yeah, this is such a tricky thing, Nathan, because like you, I saw it when I was a kid. So it is ingrained in me that it's a, actually a great movie, because when I saw it, like the animatronics, everything, it was mind blowing. I mean, it was it was it was it was an epic film to see it back then. So I can't unsee it out of that perspective because that's so ingrained in me. But it would be I wish I could watch it now with with brand new eyes to see what my take on it would be, because whenever I I see it, it takes me right back to just being like eight or nine or whatever and just watching it for the first time. So, Mm. yeah, I wish I wish I could see what it would how it would play to someone today. But I think it's fair because of the fact that I can sometimes watch movies that I liked as a kid and go, oh, I don't I don't see it anymore so you know it's it's yeah I, I i agree it's a little hazy but i feel like i can still sometimes critically judge things that i saw you know like when i was a kid so i don't think it's just that um but uh but yeah but joe we've been waiting with bated breath here for you to to wow us so give us your first pick speaking of howard the duck and um this is going to come up again uh, over and over again. So I wanted to say that every year at Dragon Con, one of the most fun things we do is we have a charity lock-in movie where we show a movies like these, sometimes including the, in fact, everyone on my list uh, today um, is something we've shown live. And what's fun, like y- y'all have mentioned, like JD and Daviar have, have brought up, watching it with a group is so much better than because uh, uh, you can you can razz it and and heckle it the whole time you're watching and it the group experience the community experience um uh is such a cool thing but at dragon con what we do is uh, we started out doing it once this year we're doing it every single night oh wow <laughs> we're showing a different movie of this ilk every single night and um Howard the Duck was last year, mm. and I saw it for the first time since I was little-er, and um, it holds up, Daviar. Um, it, it had been a long time since I saw it, and it was tremendously great. It was, <laughs> it was everything I remembered. Um, and, and more stuff because Howard is in a biplane at one point and, yes. mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's, and then the, the song at the end is pretty good. <laughs> so say just the rap band, the rap band at the end is alone worth yeah. watching that movie. I mean, but, my, but, but, but my, my, my yeah. first pick, uh, is something that we have shown three times at, um, at Dragon Con on our track, and it is Mac and Me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait a minute, that's not a movie, that's a McDonald's commercial that's like an hour and a half long. Yep, and that's why it's on the list. That's one of the many reasons why it's on the list. But is it so bad it's good, or is it just so bad? It's, no, mm. it's entertaining enough, and I, I will argue... Thing. That, hey, let's, um, let Joe defend his movie. Let's yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, no, J- JD is is on the right track, and I think we're all, we're sympathetic on this. But I literally hate it, but I also love it. It's I don't have as strong a feeling um, 
as such a dichotomy about the other movies on my list, but I hate this movie and I also love it. I hate it because it's terrible and disquieting, as I mentioned because that word I use because the Mac aliens in the movie there's not just one E.T. like alien there's a whole (laughs) family and they all are flesh colored and naked naked (laughs) and all they want to do is eat at McDonald's and drink coke yes Mm -hmm. and they all just kind of wobble the entire (laughs) 90 minutes every time they're on screen they're all shaking like they look too jiggly jiggly <laughs> see you. this is one where i think i fail in it because i didn't see it as a kid and i saw it as an adult and so mm. my opinion on it is completely different than probably if i had seen it as a kid <laughs> but now i've seen it three times and that's eight <laughs> times too many uh, but 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 i also recognize how the the greatness of seeing it with a crowd and i love the running gag that Paul Rudd has had with it on Conan O'Brien for so many years. And now having seen the entire hour and a half, you know, that one, one minute scene of the kid careening down the hill uh, in a wheelchair. um, There are in that hour and a half movie, there are like four more scenes like that. That's the whole movie. It's not just that scene. That's the the movie. The kid doesn't almost die once. He (laughs) almost dies literally four times. Well, I mean, uh, the alternate ending is what gets me. Like, we're talking about how bad this movie is. If it had the ending that was over the overseas ending where the kid gets killed, just straight up murdered. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If if that would have been the ending, we would have been enjoying that. that. They They filmed filmed this kid. The right. The me from Mac and Me, they filmed him being shot and killed and decided not to use that. (laughs) And then, then of course, and and again, I I can't say enough about this movie. You have to watch it, sit, get with a group, watch it, or, you know, better yet, come to Dragon Con, watch it with us. But um, uh, we, 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 the, the dance number with Ronald McDonald, where not only not only is Mac an, an ET knockoff alien, but in the dance scene, he's wearing a teddy bear costume on top of his disturbing ass alienness. Yes. <laughs> and it is disturbing. It, it is, is disturbing. So disturbing. Yeah, because, you know, like a lot of alien designs, like you don't think about E.T., like E.T.'s naked for a while, you know, but also like you don't think about E.T. being naked when E.T. is mm-hmm. naked. But these you these aliens about... are disturbing. Yeah, you think about them being naked because they're... of the way that they are depicted. Mm-hmm. And it's just disturbing. They're flesh colored. That's it. That's it, Will. Very flesh colored. So they have this permanent expression of surprise that. Thank you. Because of the because of the budget, like they couldn't give them any other expression. So (laughs) I would like to thank Mystery Science Theater 3000 for forcing me to watch Mac and Me because I had never seen it before, but I saw the MST3K. Congratulations to you, Nathan. I watched it three times without the MST3K track. I was okay. going to say uh, of the uh, of the revival of the MST3K revival series, Mac and Me is 
probably my favorite episode and the one I would mm. hold up as like, no, 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 no. You have to watch this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of MST3K movies that, you know, they're, the commentary is fun, but then the movie by itself, you don't want to go near. Right. But Mac and May, you got to make it through Mac and May. Okay. Just, to, yeah. just so you can tell the story. <laughs> just so you can, the oral tradition. Preach, of Joe. Preach. Preach. Yes. Got baptism got, got on me. <laughs> sharing with people oh you haven't seen mac and me well let me tell you about their jiggling nude body <laughs> and nathan is not because you're an adult i hated mac and me as a kid too okay it was one of those i remember seeing oh commercials God. for it and i was just like this just looks like an et ripoff you know? it, it, like, it, it looked like I, like good oh. It was like it was like when we had two movies right on top of each other, like batteries not included, and then yes. it was like a knockoff yep. like a year or two later. It was just like no, I the knockoff was called. Like I said, like I said, I hate it, but I own it. And <laughs> I will show it at the drop of a hat to anyone because there's so much going on. Welcome to America Sci-Fi Class. This movie. All right. Well, that was a good pick for uh for Joe's first one. Told you. Um, told you. Who, who did I start? Did I start with you, JD, or did I start you with did. Will? Okay, all right. So, JD, what's your second? What's your second pick? I'm going to see. <clears throat> this is a movie that I think public perception has come around on a bit. Mm. So, I think that it has a better reputation now than it did when it came out. But it's the movie that got me into horror as a very young kid, and that's Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. yes okay all right but is that a bad movie because i yes objectively yeah. it's terrible like special effects wise it's terrible it is 80s in all of the like most stereotypical 80s ways that you can think of down to like the costuming the dialogue is ridiculous and bad um, okay. my, but, my, my brothers and I from this movie like would like look at each other and be like, we'd do this and be like, what are you going to do? Knock my block off. <laughs> <laughs> it has, no joke, some of the most inventive kills of any yes. horror movie. Yes. I, I was going to say of the 80s, but maybe period. Uh, I mean, but see, here's the thing. All right, I was joking about is it is it really a bad movie because it's great, and then, but I'm not sure I could call it a horror movie because while it has right. some like trappings of horror, there is no part of this movie that is suspenseful it or is scary. Not, it is just weird and hilarious. It's not <laughs> actively scary, but it is. It's disturbing. It is like some, definitely some weird slash disturbing imagery. Yes. Yeah. Again, <laughs> and it's it's because of the imagery that it shows and the way that people die in this movie getting eaten by a shadow puppet yes. <laughs> well because like when i pitched this to my wife i was like i know it's called killer clowns but it's really a comedy it's not it's not a scary movie it's not like you know that kind of thing you know not, it's, it's like, really a comedy <laughs> this is one of those where i think they did know that this the like the premise was silly yeah. and that they were going to lean a little more into the comedy of it but I still think they do a really effective job with both, like, I think the costumes somehow still hold up yeah. relatively okay. 
Um, well, there's something grotesque about a clown costume in the first place. So yes. just by yeah. by 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 in, in, enhancing that and 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 leading into the grotesque aspect of it, you make even more disturbing. That's why some people actually have fear of clown. You know, I I don't have Definitely. that, so that doesn't. So maybe somebody with a fear of clowns would, it would speak a lot more to them as far as a horror movie. But I like, I saw this yeah. movie the first time when I was like eight years old on Cinemax at like. 11 p.m. on a Saturday (laughs) and it stuck with me through my entire childhood into being an adult. I own two copies of it on DVD. I am proud of those copies of it. One of them is signed. (laughs) But it is, I mean, uh, it it doesn't succeed in, in any direction. Like it, like you said, it is not horror enough to be a true horror. It's not funny enough to be a true comedy. Yeah. Um, and the dialogue and the writing in it is bad. I like late 80s budget movie bad. Um, but it all is still in a really charming package for what it is. And it's one of those movies that I, I watched. And I'm like, I think everybody had a really good time on this set. Mm. the clowns turn people into cotton candy yes and then drink them out of bendy straws (laughs) (laughs) glorious glorious my wife they have popcorn guns by the movie like she just like kept looking at me like what what is this but you know Mm -hmm. i had to share it like that that is a movie that you share with someone you love well it's my favorite it's one of my favorite comedians he makes his film debut in this is christopher titus he is a small part in that film (laughs) and he does and it, 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 he he owned it. He's like, I yeah, I'm, they gave me five hundred bucks. I showed up <laughs> this movie. I mean, I was a struggling actor and comedian. So yeah, yeah. My story is kind of similar to yours, JD. We were at uh, we were moving from Florida to South Carolina, and so we were at like an extended stay hotel, and so mm-hmm. we got like the pay channel, you know, like whatever the hotel had, you know. So we had right. HBO. We might have had Cinema, whatever channel it was, and yeah, like it came on. I was like, what is this? And you know, you got the. The theme song is a banger. Yeah. All right, let's watch this. And yeah, like it was just like I I laughed from probably the beginning to the end. Like it was such a joy. And I was like 10, you know. There's so so many, there are so many 80s slasher movies or bad horror movies that I could have put on here. Like I thought about Death Spa as one of them, or but like no, I think this movie just has way too much fun. Chopping Mall's another one, but I think this movie is really like the, the most successful uh implementation of like that era of bad horror. Yeah, that's a good pick. I like it. All right. Um, Will. My second one. All right. So to stay with horror. And it's one of those I I I, I hate to admit that I actually like it, but I do. It's Jaws the Revenge. Uh, <laughs> oh no yeah yeah i enjoy it i enjoy it for all the wrong reasons <laughs> so i mean i love the fact that michael Caine is epically bad michael Caine. michael Caine in that movie is the reason to watch that film because he knows he's just collecting a check it's like oh, right, his... i'm michael i'm michael Caine, and i'm playing i'm collecting a check at the end of this movie so his quote about being in this movie yeah. is one of my all-time favorite yes. actor quotes about anything yes 
is that the one about like you know you've just got to make your money and you know you can cash the check Uh, i've never seen jaws the revenge but i've seen the house that it bought Uh, (laughs) right and so and also wait, one of the last lines in the movie is Mario Van Peebles goes, I told you they don't like dark meat. I mean, you know, just, just, I mean the movie, you just gotta appreciate it for, I mean the, the, the first scene is because like, he can spit back out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the shark I mean, has it in his teeth and spits them out. It, it, it's so, Jaws, it's poltergeist. It's it's followed it's followed me to, to the Bahamas. If anyone doesn't know the plot of this movie, imagine the plot of Jaws, but in this one, the shark knows that people have yeah. wronged it and is coming um, for them. And, it, and it's after it's the Brody sentient. family. It's after the Brody. It, it only kills people in the Brody line. I mean, you know, just, just it's like, no, no, screw you guys specifically. Yeah. <laughs> family um <sighs> it, it's and then he went and got orca which was the same it's got, it, it just stole the plot from its own ripoff and said hey i got an idea <laughs> i got an idea let's make orca jaws come on let's do it you know so it's just yeah it, it's one of those I, I i love every moment of it i'm going yeah stab it, stab it. it had the best video game on the nes it, it, you had yes. to stab it yes it had, you had to stab the the shark after electrifying it with the boat, and it was so hard to do, but you could beat it. It had a great ending. So, <laughs> yeah, nice. I, I I fully support that choice, my friend. Yes, I don't know. The, the only Jaws sequel worth watching. Yes, right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, Daviar, what's your second pick? Yeah, um, I do not remember the first time I saw this movie, but I have seen it countless times since. It is gotten the new six, uh, one, they're trying to give it the new distinction of being the best worst movie, and that is 1990s Troll 2. I've uh, got to go with Troll 2. It's Neobog spelled backwards, which is the to- the town that this family winds up in on their vacation. And the people in the town are not actually people. They're trolls who are trying to eat this family. And the movie is insane. It is, I have, there is no record of what the budget is. I've tried to find it. So, uh, so, but whatever it is, it, it was it was very minuscule, which you can see by the designs of the trolls. Uh, oh, oh, excuse me, excuse me, because it, the movie is called Trolls, but there's not a single troll in the movie. Not they're a all, one. The longer no all goblins. <laughs> they're all goblins, not trolls, and there's not a single person who can act in the movies. Uh, there is. For some reason, okay, and and the way they want to get the family so that the family can be eaten is there's a classic scene where they, they, you have to, the the family has to eat uh, the troll-laden food. And there's a scene where the, the town brings over a spread for the family to eat. And it is the most disgusting looking stuff you have ever seen that no family would ever eat. But the family's like, mm-hmm, let's chow down on this. And in one of the greatest moments in cinema history, the little the son of the family, who he's the one that he knows these folks are goblins because his dead granddad is speaking to him. I've got to stop my family from eating this food. How do I do this? Okay, Grandpa, I got an idea. Gets on the table, pulls out his wee-wee, and pees on the entire uh, spread of food. And in one of the classic moments, George Hardy, who is kind of who plays the dad, 
who has become like a celebrity post this film because he now does all the fan panels, shows up to screenings of the movie, has totally taken on the mantle of, yes, I was in this really movie that everyone seems to love and is and, and, and one of the classic moments of all time he tells his son as he's singing to the room he starts fiddling with his belt because you think he's gonna take off his belt and spank his kid and he's like what are you doing dad he's like i'm tightening my belt so i don't have to feel hunger pains because he didn't get a chance to eat and this movie is just full of the best lines it has got the best insane villain and and it also gives birth to the line they're eating her and then they're gonna eat me oh my god it just it's it's it is for all the things that we love about bad movies are all in this so troll 2 from 1990 it is such a watch i love that movie mm. <laughs> I, okay but in this one though in the first one just also another bad movie that we just love too because it's not like trolls is a cinema classic I no mean, i think troll 2 troll 2 is like right i know what i'm saying but i'm going how bad does a movie have to be that trolls you're going you know that's just a great movie compared to that <laughs> 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 because i love the first one because of michael moriarty and yeah, you know yeah, you, yeah. All, the, the whole cat great cat and then it's yeah. like a bad movie Second one, there's nothing to it. There's nothing you said. There's nothing redeemable about this film. You're like, there's not one person in this movie I know who this is. Okay, all right, all right. So it keeps topping itself. There's a scene where there is an a, an attempted a character is attempted to be killed by being smothered in popcorn. It is there is there's a there's a lot there's so much going on. It's very very reminiscent of like the zaniness of killer clowns and just it keeps topping itself with like ridiculous things that pops up. So yeah, not enough that, that I could say about this movie. And, and it's one, of, and, and as the theme of this, of this episode is, a, as this show is about is it's watching it with a group. There's nothing more special because yep. my group of friends would have regular annual troll two screenings. So just it's, it's one of those perfect movies for that. All right. Very cool. All right. So next up is mine. And there's a few different directions I can go with this one, but I think just because it's in such a weird direction that, we haven't gone yet i'm going to go and i might be the only one but this is one where back when my friends and i like when we were teens and we we had you know we finally got a car you know kind of thing and we could go to the mall and just hang out the movie theater or whatever one day we were just like what are we gonna see you know like not much playing and it's just like let's try this one out so i am going to talk about a movie that I was like, let's just go see so we can riff it. And then ended up being like, you know what? I had a great time. And that is Spice World. <laughs> so Spice World was the vehicle for the Spice Girls to have a movie. And it is the most bizarre, like, you know, you think, you know, like, oh, it's a band movie, right? So it's going to be a movie about this chick band and they're going to do the things that they... there's an alien in this movie there is like a weird cut to like a toy model shot where a bus like jumps over a bridge there is like mm -hmm. there is like cartoon villainy where like the guy can actually make like lightning strike when he talks and stuff it's just like it is such a weird movie and i was not expecting the movie to be this bizarre and offbeat and i was like you know even though I went in this movie just to make fun of it, I actually, like, really enjoyed it. And, like, I'm not a Spice Girls fan or anything, you know? Like, they were fine. But, you know, <laughs> like, I wasn't, like, a huge Spice Girls fan or anything. I mean, some of them are cute. Um, but, uh... 
Yeah, you went into the movie knowing what you want, what you really, really want. So. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, yeah, I might see some cute girls, you know, doing some stuff and we'll make fun of the rest of the movie. And it's just like, no, I, I actually had a good time. I thought it was funny. And especially when they go to the bit where it's like, you know, they're talking about you know like like jumping the bridge and it just goes to the stupidest toy model and the bus little toy bus like goes over the bridge and then it's like that's their shot (laughs) that's another one where they knew how bad this movie was and how ridiculous it was and they just they lean so far into it that it wraps around and becomes fun exactly yeah i was going to I was going to suggest a very similar movie in that vein, which was 2000's Josie and the Pussycats. Okay. But I, I actually think Josie is better, like it, is a better movie yeah. than Spice World. Like, and I was actually going to come into it arguing that no, this is legitimately a good movie before we clarified the the requirements. Cause I think that is a really successful version of that movie. Right. Yeah, no, my wife had me watch Josie because that came out a few years later. And by that point, I was in college and, and I wasn't, you know, watching a lot of movies and wasn't when I swung back. But my wife got me to watch it. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of like Spice World. But, you know, yeah, <laughs> definitely like a more competently made version of it. <laughs> so but that is more of like the band kind of movie. Like, but then they lean into that and make a joke about it that, you know, they even make the jokes about like this is from the comic. Like they actually like self-referentially talk about like this is from the comics and stuff and it actually like weirdly has something to say about hollywood like yeah it's weird (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's not that's not a bad choice either just for talking like like for movies in that vein but yeah i don't know if the rest of you have seen i mean obviously jd has or if the rest of you have Mm -hmm. seen spice world but i thought it was hilarious uh I i don't think it was a it was a bad movie but it wasn't a bad movie that i regretted watching Nathan, are you suggesting that I haven't seen Spice World? Of course I've seen Spice World. <laughs> he loves Spice World. He's at Spice World convention right now. I watched Spice World earlier today. Earlier today. But, um, and also, Spice Girl's music is pretty good. That's all I'm saying. It just wasn't, I, I was heavy into alternative rock at that point. It just Incorrect. Wasn't my thing. You were into Spice Girls because you went to see the movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, don't, that's try fair. To, that's don't, fair. Try, don't try to Susie and the Banshees me. <laughs> all right, Joe, what's your second pick? My second pick is from 1994. Okay. The, um, the, Never released to the public Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which ironically is the best version of the Fantastic Four we had as a movie so far. That is what um I have said this whole time. We we watched it. Um I, I showed it at Dragon Kind, and after it was over, I said, I don't want anyone to complain about a Fantastic Four movie ever again. Because this one nailed the personalities of the FF better than mm-hmm. the other three yeah. theatrical film and films? somehow was able to do doom's origin in a way that worked with the script but also didn't link it to their origin which i'm like that's that's it that is the thing to do with doom not the we have to make him they have to make it the fantastic five but one of them is evil you know which is what yeah. the two speaking versions of had. speaking of the thing to do it had the best ben grimm makeup um because it's just a dude in a suit even though he's like a foot shorter than everybody else in the cast 
yeah. Um, and and he does he turns to the screen and goes yeah and they use that cut two or three times in the big fight scene and it's tremendous each time i see it and um okay. he, I, I love that movie for things like we can't show reed stretching so anytime he has to stretch we have to shoot the camera with just his hand coming on from off camera that's called technical prowess <laughs> that is called <laughs> a movie making expertise so that movie had like a million dollar budget and it was all spent on the human torch 30 seconds of cg yeah. at the end of the movie <laughs> what would yeah. you do what would you do nathan if you had a million bucks and you had to animate <laughs> the human torch at some point um we're lucky or all actors are lucky that they did not do a Fantastic Four movie in the 70s or 80s because they would have literally set a person on fire. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm surprised Roger Corman didn't go, all right, Bob. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. Or they would have in, replaced him with Herbie the Robot. Right. In the cartoon but version. In, in the Spider-Man TV show in the 70s, they really dangled a guy off of a skyscraper to yep. show him climbing up the, the uh, skyscraper. So yeah, uh, they, they, that's not a far trek toward or away from just setting a dude on fire. My so costume smells funny. Do? That's how, the, how you're going to have the human torch. That's the oil we oh. dipped it in before you put it on. Yes. <laughs> and it has the, the, the best quote um, because they ask uh, each cast member, how are you feeling? And when it gets to the human torch, he goes, well, I've been uncontrollably setting myself on fire all day. So other than that, how are you? Great. Tremendous. I just remember seeing the bootleg, like not long after it came out, uh, my buddy Gordon Lee, God rest him, owned a, owned a comic book store in Rome, Georgia. And he goes, Nick, I got something for you in the back. I'm like, oh, God. And he puts it on. I'm like, oh, God, what is this our show? I used to buy comics from a guy at the flea market and one day he hooked me up with both a, a VHS copy of this and the Justice League live action TV pilot. Yep. Um, and that that was the best two videotapes that I got for a very long time. That was that was great. Oh, God. <laughs> Trying to convince people that this is real is the fun part. Yeah. They don't yeah, they don't understand that it's actually a thing. And and I'm going, no, I've saw this movie. No, you didn't. I'm like. Yes, I, I actually movie. own it downstairs, so I can yeah, easily yeah, produce yeah. it if we'll I need to. Right yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Before YouTube, I really missed the era of having to know the right people to get your right? hands on stuff Indeed. like this. Yeah, yeah. Right. that was something special. There was a guy. There was a, not the same guy, but every convention at the time had a little bootleg tape table yeah. in the back somewhere, and you had to just run across him because he wouldn't advertise. And you're like, oh, ho, 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 look, here's the full run of <clears throat> Animal that, you know, you could, uh, um, you could, and and that that's that, that's where you, I first got uh, Fantastic Four. And it's something that Dragon Con is missing now is that guy. You know, that, that guy is no longer there. Now that guy just put everything on YouTube. In, in the early to mid zeros, you'd sometimes find these websites where people would be burning like DVDs for sure, shows sure. that had that didn't have legitimate releases yet and stuff like that. And that was sort of the same sort of thing. Like you could get like I, I like I got Briscoe County Junior because I didn't think it was ever going to oh, come out yeah. on DVD. And then right. of course, like a year after I got it from this like bootleg site, like there was a legitimate Adventures of Briscoe County Junior DVD release. But you know, it was. I uh, mean, you're talking to a guy that owns like the X Men, the X Men series, the usual Fox X Men series. Because he got it from some guy, you know. Oh, I recorded them each week as they came out. Like, I was faithfully 
recording and the line the VCR. Everyone of them got the Fox logo at the bottom right-hand corner. And I'm going, yeah, that's my Bubba Baby. Because it never came out on DVD or video for the longest time. Mm. I wanted to show my kids. I'm like, here. And now you, find- you could just, you know, turn on Disney it. Plus and they're all there. Yeah, Disney Plus, yep. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, I was disappointed when they did come out with a DVD set. They had like some cuts of some episodes that were yes. like that were like bad cuts that were weren't the version that made it on TV. It was just yep. like, oh guys, come on. Do you know come what's on. not there on Disney Plus? That's still an outrage to me, though. It's Fox's 1995 or six direct to DV or direct to TV movie Generation X. <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah. have that recorded downstairs in my that's from the VHS I recorded off air when it came out. Yep, I, <laughs> I still have it. I think I've got it right here on the <laughs> 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 y'all, y'all keep talking. Yeah, this is a regular rotation. For right. you. <laughs> I, I did see it on one of those shady DVD burning sites at one point too. Yeah, but I, I don't. I can't remember where I saw it, but um, right there. Oh, yeah, there we go. Isn't Matt Frewer in that movie? Yes, Matt yep. Frewer yes. is the villain in that movie. Yep. Yeah. I, I watched it. it many times when it came out and wanted it to, even though it was awful and was not a good adaptation of the, even the series, like the series no. had only been like a year or two old at that point. So it's like, how hard is it? There's only like 12 comics. It's really easy to adapt this. It wasn't even like a good adaptation, but like it was, no. uh, you know, it was, um, I, I wanted it to be a series because I loved everything X-Men then. And I was just like, everything must be X-Men. Well, I just thought it was also one of the few genre shows at the time. I mean, yes. just, when people don't understand how, how, how deprived we were as children because the kids have it these days it, they don't realize we, we had babylon 5 which was all we really needed because it was better than everything don't, else um, but... that's a whole different podcast nathan we've only got six hours to <laughs> that's, finish right, that's right that's right that's right but yes fantastic four i don't i don't i mean i don't know how anybody else feels about it but i like i said i think it is funnily enough despite the fact that it is bad in many ways a lot of them technical um, but um, it, 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 I think it, it captures the Fantastic Four better yeah. than the 2004 version Almost. and uh, certainly better than the 2014 version, which was, I think, the, the 2014 Fantastic Four is an example of a movie that's just so bad and it doesn't ever get to oh, that yeah. part that oh. it's good yeah. because it was... Yeah. It, it's Because yeah. I prepared to riff that movie and my mm-hmm. wife and I just mm. kept staring at each other going, it's not even good enough to I riff. Were, yeah. No, nope. like, it was just it was just boring and just slow and and awful. I did the same thing. I went I went to a and like you know we had just started the podcast and I was like, well, I'm going to do this for content and it's going to be bad, but that's okay. I can come back and report about how bad it was and I can make fun of it. And it'll be a good time. It was not. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I have like some statues of Gypsy and Crow and uh, Servo, and I set them up whenever I know I'm going to watch a movie that I'm going to riff. Yep. And I set, set up my That's little awesome. statues so we can riff. And uh, and yeah, I was just like, this was a waste because I couldn't even riff this. Whereas I do have some love for the 2004 version, like no. even though I, I think it has some fundamental flaws. <laughs> uh, I, but, I uh, agree. I, I don't hate the first yeah. one. Yeah. I don't hate the first one either. I mean, I hate what they do to Doom, but I mean, I right, hate right. Doom yeah. is the big mistake with that movie. I, I would have kept the rest of it if we could have really changed the Doom part of that movie because right. I think even the, the who they cast and how they portray those characters is good. Mm-hmm. You know, I still joke about Michael Chiklis and the "Don't do drugs, kids." Um, yeah, it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> anytime he shows up in something, I like I say, "Don't do drugs, kids." Don't do drugs. <laughs> 
He won't enjoy my movie unless you do drugs. You know? All, right. So, <laughs> All right. But yes, I, I, I legitimately like the Corman version, even though it is, even for the time, the effects were not great. No, not a bad. Um, all right. So, JD, what's your final choice? Uh, I've gone way back and forth on this, uh, trying to figure out what it was going to be. Um, because, like, horror is very much my lane for stuff like this. And I, I had thought about doing stuff that's been on MST, but I don't want to just throw out movies that have been on MST. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go with Jason, and I'm going to bring up 1987's Miami Connection. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Which um, is another in, in a list of possibly the most 80s thing to exist on film um it is a ninja taekwondo movie about four men who refuse to wear shirts who live in the smallest (laughs) apartment in the world together um and they are also in a band together (laughs) and we get (laughs) long stretches of them singing songs about how great friendship is um before they go and fight the evil ninjas. It's, um, I think Alamo Drafthouse dug it up out of like complete obscurity not long ago. And it's, uh, it is definitely, it's something that you have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, hopefully on premise alone, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, like, it, it's just, it picks up on like the the trend of like rock musicals that were going on at the time martial arts movies like buddy adventure movies and it's the worst version of all of them and i love it (laughs) (laughs) because it is trying so hard it's trying so hard (laughs) that sounds fun i mean it's one of those films that's like it's too much of everything you know this movie needs rock and roll i mean you could tell some cokehead from the 80s some executive producers like oh. nathan i, I did <laughs> cheat i did cheat a little bit riff tracks did it mm. as one of their live ones so if you are going to watch it i highly recommend their riff of it okay it's quite good one of their all-time bests it is, is. It yes really is. okay yeah yeah it's one of those movies that it's I'm, I almost don't even know what to say. You know, it's that bad because I don't. I don't know where to start. It's just like I don't know how you put that much into one film. It's and, and that's why I'm so impressed with the riff track because because I wouldn't be able to make. I can't even comprehend it. It's just you just watch and just kind of. I don't even have time to react because so many things are happening from beat to beat. So it is insane of a movie. So that's a great choice. Here. It's it's kind of like, I mean, it's one of those car crash movies where it's like, there's too much going on and I don't yeah. know what's happening, but I am here for it and I'm locked into everything. <laughs> I nice. can't quit you. Yeah. I can't quit you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even now, I'm struggling. I, can't even, <laughs> I don't even know what to say now. It's and just, like, yeah. Birdemic yeah. was the other one that I was really thinking about for this slot because it's mm. like all time great. It, it's an, a very earnest version of the room, I think, with like <laughs> that level of bad acting and like <laughs> they they try to fight off the birds that are clearly like 
the worst CG, like almost oh. like cardboard <laughs> that they're dropping at them. They try to fight them off with coat hangers. That's yeah. the big weapon in the move. Like I could have done that, but Miami Connection is just too, uh, okay, too perfect. Uh, let me ask you, since you said it's the most 80s movie mm. of all time. Yes. Is there breakdancing? I mm. think there is actually. <laughs> When you have ninja rock stars, I mean, there's gonna be some dancing. I mean, <laughs> the way it is. nice. All right, yeah, no, that's definitely one that I will, uh, I will try to check out. All right, um, Will, what's your final pick? Oh, uh, this is hard because there's so hmm. many that I mean, these have stirred up memories of other oh, movies. This is this is a show that I can do again. I can always yeah. do part two, the sequel. more movies it'll be objectively worse than this one as sequels always are (laughs) right um i okay we've done okay we've already picked on roger corman so i'm not gonna do i had a roger corman movie in mind that i actually love just (laughs) better than most so i'm gonna go with one eddie murphy film the it's i know it's not pluto nash it's norbit and oh i I, I, I love that movie it's, yeah. it's so bad it's so good i mean you know going into it this is not gonna be a great movie but i'm going i love this film I love, I, okay and i love the story behind it about how he was going to win the oscar for best supporting actor for dream girls and then that movie was released in february and the, the academy went oh hell no we're not rewarding this <laughs> <laughs> cash grab because i love it i mean my wife and i it is a constant rotation in our house at least once a month us, what we watch it with the kids, we just laugh our ass off. It's it's so bad, but at the same time, it's so epic. The jokes in it. I mean, how you doing? I mean, this this the lines in that movie are bad but good. I mean, it's just well ho. Uh, you just keep going. I love I, it. I think Eddie this, Murphy is another one that you could almost do an entire yeah. episode on yeah. their bad movies okay. like, and bad yep. business choices. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Norbit is definitely a movie of, of a gone era of like the offensive like yeah. uh, takes, uh, like where it's it's races and saying it's got everything in there, right? Uh, but 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 it's Eddie Murphy. So and it was Eddie Murphy right at the edge before he went into full family man mode. So it's still uh-huh. Eddie Murphy, you know, w- still with his comedic chops in place. So it's it's funny and, and it's one of those things you can almost make a case that actually is tasteless, but it's actually good. So I'm with you. I love Norbert. I yeah, I don't think it gets enough credit because, like you said, if it had come out maybe two, three years earlier, mm-hmm. it was definitely better to me than it is any of the like the Nutty Professor sequels or you know mm-hmm. any of his family comedies. It's still him on the edge. It's up there with Harlem Nights and some of those just edgy comedies that he could write. And I'm going, if we just weren't so sensitive at the at that point, it would have been a be- considered a better release. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he also, and he also went to the fat well one too many times. Let's just be honest. I mean, oh my god. I'm really it, glad nobody went after Meet Dave in that conversation. The problem with Eddie Murphy movies is that, you, like we were talking about with the other pick, there's bad and there's boring. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and a lot of Eddie Murphy movies became boring. And there's one thing you can say about Norbert it is not boring. There is not a moment if you that he's, he's making fun of Bill Cosby before it was cool. I mean, that movie <laughs> is a 90 minute Bill Cosby joke. Mm. So, and this is a 90-minute joke. And so, it's not boring. And so, that's the worst sin a movie can be is boring. I agree. And uh, as long as 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 Nick Cage is a movie, it's not boring. You may not like it, but it's not boring. 
So. You may not like it, but you will definitely react. You will have right. an active, you will be actively engaged in that film yeah. in some way. Like a good yeah. wrestling heel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Great. Yes. You don't have to like me. You just have to react to me. Right. So that's my pick, Norbit. Uh, I, I wanted to do Battle Beyond the Stars, but I truly love that movie. And I would have, you know, so, yeah. All right, Daviar. Yeah. Oh, man. We got to have a part two because there was like eight different ways I went for this one. Yeah. But you know what? I, I I didn't have a martial arts film and I got to go with an all time classic, all time classic piece POS. And that is 1986, directed by Corey Yoon. No retreat, no surrender. No surrender. Oh, I've yes. got to go with no. no yes. The movie that gives us Sean claude Van Damme as a Russian villain. Uh, okay, and, so 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 dig this. <laughs> yeah, and his film debut. Dig this plot. Some evil mafia group decides. You know what's the best way to make money is to take over this string of karate dojos. <laughs> we can make a lot of money on karate dojos because this was '86. You know, it was yeah. you know, Karate Kid and The Last Dragon. Karate Kung Fu was huge, mm -hmm. so it was like, so what better way than to just take over LA's karate dojos? But this one dojo, this one uh, dojo sensei is like, nah, you're not taking my dojo. So they <laughs> they they cripple him. Van Damme cripples him, and his son goes on this this mission i've got to avenge my father i've got to save the dojos and so this this kid who's is is this karate fanatic and some bit of magic mysticism we're never explained how the ghost of bruce <laughs> lee comes back cast with an actor who looks nothing like bruce lee not even Doesn't a little bit doesn't even look like a cousin of Bruce Lee. Comes back to train this kid in all the ways of Bruce Lee's Jukundo. And it's just, and, and so- I, I am so happy for you bringing this up because it's yeah. making me remember a movie I haven't seen in a long time. I'm like, oh my God, that's such a perfect pick. Yes, yes. This is, Daviar, uh, of the movies you have brought up, this is my favorite. Yeah. Yes, I yes, love this yes. movie so this, much. And yeah. when we talk about movies that are essentially 80s, it's this. Yes. Because he's got the black guy best friend with the Jerry yeah. Curl. Mm -hmm. There is there is the, the, uh, the, the school bully group that has the random fat kid who's yep. like for somehow like one of the bullies instead of the, the person being bullied. And it's, right. just, it's just it's just this it's just this insane movie. And the finale is the big karate tournament where they're in basically a school gymnasium. And, and, and this is okay, but, okay, but it also has one of the best martial artists of the time in it with Jet Jet the Hurricane yes. before he became mm -hmm. this bad joke in films was an mm -hmm. amazing kickboxer. And he yeah. was beating the hell out of Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. Until, he, until the cheating happens and they can't, yes. he, can't he can't slow Jet the Hurricane down. Jet <laughs> the Hurricane. Because Jet the Hurricane is whipping Jean-Claude's ass, hand, hand over fist, he's beating this dude into the ground. It's like, yeah. hey, we must throw in a monkey wrench cheat real quick. Yes, and get, yes, yes, yes. The and then he gets his ass kicked. And this yes. Because yeah. the mafia guy is ready to kill this dude in the middle of the ring <laughs> in this <laughs> gymnasium <laughs> battle for the dojos. So yeah. it is full of like a whole bunch of witnesses. Witnesses, right. yeah, who are all there cheering this random ass karate tournament in the middle of LA. So it is no retreat, no surrender. There are no words. It's got the 80s soundtrack. It's got all the things you love about it. It is, if you don't know this movie, please watch this movie. They say the name, the, the name of the movie is a catchphrase. No, 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 no retreat, 
no surrender. No surrender. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, yes, that get calls out when, when the hero is in the ring versus Van Damme and he's yeah. losing the match and the kid calls out, Jason, no retreat, no surrender. Yeah, if, you're, if you're a fan of movies that mention the movie title in the middle <laughs> yes. of the movie, this is the movie for you. <laughs> this is the movie for you. This movie is such a 12-year-old boy film. Because yes. I, mean, I mean, because I watched this like 11, 12, and you come out of the theater like you're Rocky. You're like, yeah, yes. from a ghost Bruce Lee. And who who doesn't want that moment? Who doesn't want that moment where your icon comes back for you to train you because you're the special one? And oh, oh, and let's not also forget the most heartbreaking moment of the movie is when the son Jason and his dad are having a fight, and to really put his foot down, the dad rips his Bruce Lee poster in half. And you would literally think that the dad had killed his dog. He's literally like, no! Nah! He hits the wall. No! He just does that weird back but no! When he runs yes. out the door and it's like, no. And that's when he has the Bruce Lee moment. Is His delusion of Bruce Lee is after his dad rips the poster. Brilliant movie. Leave it there. I love that film. <laughs> oh God, yeah, no, I, I gotta go watch that one. That's that's probably the first Please on do. my list after the show is to go find that and it watch holds it up. because it holds yeah, up. I, I, I want to see that again. I think yeah. you should really watch that and Miami Connection as a back-to-back double feature. Oh, oh, yeah. Done deal. Jim Cotta, maybe Jim Cotta. Maybe. Oh yeah, Jim Cotta. Yes, I meant to mention that as an anal- uh, like a movie that uh, Miami Connection is objectively worse than. <laughs> Yeah. Sequel, JD. We got to bring it up in a sequel. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, all the no, no, no surrender films that have nothing to do with the first one that come on after yes. we just use that title. <laughs> okay, so for my final pick, again, I've been trying to think of which which movie I'm going to go with, but I think because it is a movie that I that I watched so much as a kid, and I've watched also as an adult, and that is Ice Pirates. Oh, I love that yes. movie. <laughs> Ice Pirates. And, and now I can tell, you know, as a kid, I don't think I could tell, but now I can tell this is a bad movie. I mean, it's mm. just objectively it's really bad. bad. bad and, you know, about about this region of space where they, they you know, water is scarce. So, you know, everybody <laughs> wants water and there are these pirates who, you know, take the take the ice, you know, and they're looking for the world <laughs> where, you know, rain, fall, water falls from the sky. And there's this whole sequence even, well, well, I mean, and and there's this whole thing about the characters being sold into slavery, and there's space herpes, and there's all sorts of like weird, crazy stuff. But then we get to the end, and it's like they're going through this portal that's going to lead them, like this this space portal, like a wormhole or something, that's going to lead them to the the world where waterfalls. And, and it ages it. <laughs> but like time passes weird but it passes weird in that that supposedly it's like hyper accelerated time but they are like acting as if they have no perception of it so they can move super fast and then they'll arrive somewhere and be like way older but like them mentally they're the same as they were so it's like sort of thing where like the woman has a baby and the baby ends up fighting but that doesn't even make sense because it, even though he grows up it's like wait everybody else mentally isn't progressing but somehow he's like not an adult now and knows Hi, what he's Dad. doing and-, and and somewhere in philadelphia m night Shyamalan is taking furious notes <laughs> <laughs> 
so so yeah it, it's, it's a movie and it's weird it doesn't make sense at the end and it's one of those things where it's just like but i but i i enjoy watching it it's just so full of crass or weird just like humorous like things that happen along the way that i'm just kind of like okay this is a fun movie to watch <laughs> like, no, but okay, okay so that movie is one of those it was on purposely it, it, it's a parody it, it's making mm. fun of something it's, you know and I mean the robot the robot death scene alone where the robot robot family's going down the street, mommy, baby, my my baby <laughs> and just wiped off the street I mean okay, Angelica Houston. I mean we can go through the cast of this movie and it's a it's actually a pretty good cast. It's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was interesting because that was you know to think about Robert Urich, you know who was who was I think was they were trying to make a big star at that time who would go on to just go to TV and do Spencer for Hire. But it was it was I, that was one of my kid favorites. That was like one of those HBO like yeah. repeats that was yeah. on HBO like all the time. And it was and one of those movies, after that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was one of those movies that as a kid I just kind of loved the visuals and the world mm -hmm. of it. Most of the jokes are right over my head, but it was just like just it was just one of those things that i just like the visuals and just had fun with it yeah i i that's i need to go back and rewatch that because i haven't seen that in years great one <laughs> yeah there's this joke where like once they're, they're going down a conveyor because they've been sold into <laughs> slavery and like and like the like to teach them to like obey like this like chomper thing like this chomper thing comes out and it's like it's it like looks like it's going to like clamp on the guy's balls and it's just like you know well, it's I mean, you, mean, you, you, mean, you become space eunuchs I mean that's right the space eunuchs yeah, they're you know, threatened with being space eunuchs and, so and then like... I mean the space herpes joke alone the way they say it throughout the whole movie what was that space herpes you know like. So seriously, and you can look at Robert Arlick in that film going, he doesn't care. He's just collecting a check, but he's having so much damn fun doing it. I mean, and again, having the, the black guy best friend. For yeah. no oh, reason. Yeah. I mean, you know, just absolutely. No reason. Was, I mean, he had had black guy best friend. And it was a good black guy best friend. I mean, why is that robot good at what he's doing? Because he's black. <laughs> that's right, robot. Why is he so bad? Because he's black, man. That's why. I mean, so thank you. At least you own it. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome yeah. choice. You know movies I actually like. This is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Joe. What is your final pick? Final pick. Uh, you may have to. Uh... Close down the whole thing after this. Uh -oh. Uh, oh, okay. We, um, uh, some of you touched on um, um, for a while there, the Sci Fi Channel was doing monster flicks. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, like uh, Sharktopus was one of the first ones, but I don't think Sci Fi Channel itself branded the movies yet. But by the time this one came out, they had already done um, multiple Lake Placids um mega python and this one <laughs> that i want to put on the list is mega python versus gatoroid yes 2011 <laughs> and the reason why it is on my list is because debbie gibson and tiffany are in it, are in it yeah yes <laughs> debbie gibson and tiffany who were rivals in teen pop stardom in the 80s and in this movie, they are also rivals. And it is an hour and a half of 
CGI bonkerness. Uh, it is nutso beyond nutso. And if you're thinking, I bet at some point they speak the lines of their famous songs when they are having a food fight, then you are correct. That 100% <laughs> happens. So, so they, you, you feel that this is the best expression of the sci-fi monster movie? It, yes. Okay. Yes, because they leaned so far into it, they almost fell out of it. It... <laughs> Uh, it, it, first of all, Debbie Gibson and Tiffany know what they're in for. They know what they're, what kind of movie they're in, and they go <laughs> all in with every reason. And um, there's bad stunt work. There's bad um, green screen stuff. There's not at all good CGI, but there's the I just seeing Debbie Gibson and Tiffany have just fight they just fight at some point and it looks like they are just legitimately punching each other at at, at one point and maybe they were maybe they were but there's a one one of the funniest scenes is absolutely intended to be funny they have a big festival in the town where of course the python and the gatoroid are going to come in and and destroy everything but they have a big festival and they say clowns jugglers a live monkey and then when you go to when they show the town coming to the festival the live monkey is mickey dolan's and wow wow <laughs> that is wow. a five stars gold standard and then of course Mickey Dolan's is eaten by one of the <laughs> pythons, the mega pythons. Of course he is. And it is, that is. That a, is a joke I can appreciate. Yep. And then at the very end, uh, they have a uh, big helicopter scene, and it appears very clearly that Debbie Gibson climbs into the helicopter on a green screen, and it's like, boop, 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 now I'm safe in the helicopter. Yet when Tiffany goes to climb into the helicopter, it appears that Tiffany herself is dangling from a rope ladder <laughs> of a, and then they do a panoramic shot of a, of a careening helicopter. So it, maybe they almost killed Tiffany. I'm not positive. <laughs> Oh. We know that Debbie Gibson was perfectly safe because she just green screen oh. boop 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 and she's safe in the helicopter. And then um, oh it's it's a delight. It's all the movies from the Sci-Fi Channel with the creepy, not creepy, the uh, bonkers, um, um, bad, the badly bonkers special effects. It's all of that smooshed into one movie, and would watch again. With a group, <laughs> wow! Yeah, no, I think you blow blew the lid off this thing, Joe. Shut it yeah. down. Yeah, we're gonna shut it down. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> I I have seen, I I will say I I have seen most of the sci-fi original like creature movies. Mm -hmm. uh, Piranha uh, Piranaconda is my personal yeah. favorite, <laughs> but yep. that's a pretty good one. <laughs> Yep, yep. All right. Yep. Well, you heard it here. You know, 
how, how does Sharknado and its various sequels stack up against Sharknado this? is mm. just like it's whole a whole other genre. Oh, yeah. okay. Sharknado is again like Sharknado knows what it is and is trying to be like yeah. as bad as possible. And the Sharknado oh, oh, these, genre... were these like serious attempts at monster movies? Yes. Oh, yeah. I would say most of them are. Yes. Oh. There yeah. are a I few think if they're that... on sci-fi, they probably knew, like, oh, we're just going to make this they... schlocky to be schlocky. Well, I mean, there I are it's, few. it's schlock to an extent, but it, at the same time, they were giving it a shot. Yes, and definitely. And it just so happened, this is what we have. Okay. <laughs> so they're like, well, we got Debbie Gibson, we got Tiffany. Well, and... they, run out of, they run out of the money where they just, like, t- changed one word, and the title is Transmorphers instead of Transformers. Or, now, that was a completely know? different company. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a different company. Atlantic Rim instead of Pacific Rim. Yes. 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 <laughs> it's Asylum. And... <laughs> it's Asylum. I could, I could not thank you, J.D. I could not remember the name of the company. Completely. Oh. Those people feed their children making <laughs> movies like Transmorphers. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm not going to to, uh, uh, on the <laughs> I'm pretty sure the asylum also did all of the Sharknados. Uh, yes, right. I believe you're uh, right. They also did a right before Disney's uh, regrettable John Carter movie came out. They did their own John Carter, which is more accurate to the books. And Tracy Lords plays Deja Thoris. So. Hmm. Thank you, Asylum Video, but um, delightful. Uh, Asylum, we're trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll steal your IP too. <laughs> <laughs> it's not copyrighted if you change a word. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> ah, oh copyright my law, my old friend. All right. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, this is a lot of fun talking about, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, movies that we love, even though they're objectively bad. And, you know, you've given me at least some to watch that I hadn't seen before. And hopefully the people listening to this will have some movies to check out after this. Um, so but now it's time to say goodbye and let people know where they can find us online, if at all, I guess. Um, so, Will, let's start with you. Uh, find me on. I'm on on this show often with Nathan, so just come here and occasionally on Earth Station One. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Always a pleasure to have you on. And JD, I'm all over the place. Uh, I'm on Twitter at JD Jackson. Uh, I do a Marvel podcast with four of my friends uh, called Level Seven Access. Uh, I've been getting into voice acting recently, so I'm on two audio drama podcasts. Uh, one of them is called uh, Breathing Space, and one of them is called Devoid of Space. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's it. You can catch me at all those places right now. All right, and Daviar? Uh, Very cool. Always a fun time. Uh, I'm hanging out up here in Ontario at the Stratford uh, Festival Theater, where you can catch our work on Stratfest at home uh, through that website and look at all the plays we have uh, that are um, many of which are available digitally right now. So people can see theater in their own homes. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And Joe. Every two weeks um, on the YouTubes, we uh, at the American Sci-Fi Classics Track do video panels. We started during the pandemic and then we just didn't stop. So every couple of weeks and Mr. Nathan, you've been on several of those and every everybody else, 
uh, JD, Daviar, and Will, um, you are all invited, except Will. I'm rescinding your invitation. <laughs> Nothing for Will, uh, but do this. Wait, 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 and you will like it. But uh, American Sci-Fi Classics, just Google that, and um, you'll find us on the YouTube. We have hours and hours of panels, just like the one you just listened to. And um, also uh, find us on Facebook and at All Year Round on Facebook and YouTube. We do nerdy things like these semi-weekly. So on Facebook, just Google us at American Sci-Fi Classics Track. And um, if you happen to be uh, on YouTube for non-sci-fi TV and movie-related reasons, I'm a pro wrestling ring announcer um, on the YouTube at Spartan Pro Wrestling. And also live in person in, if you happen to be in Gadsden, Alabama at any time, (laughs) then you can come see me in person. But Spartan Pro Wrestling and American Sci-Fi Classics, so much fun. And thank you guys. It was good to meet all of you guys, except for Will, who I already knew. And (laughs) And I'm not invited to be on the show. Ever. Who I already knew and have immediately blacklisted. Immediately blacklisted. (laughs) But... But thank you, Nathan, and it's good to meet you guys, and we will see you soon. Indeed. Uh, Will, JD, Daviar, and Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And that's it for talking about movies that are so bad that they're good. We hope that you enjoyed it, and you can let us know in a variety of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website at 42cast.com. Another way is to tweet to us or go on our Instagram at 42cast, or you can go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. With Apple Podcasts, those reviews help to get us promoted in searches. And so if you have an Apple account, we would really appreciate if you would leave us a review there. I also wanted to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a place where you can go to help all the shows on the network. There are various tiers based on the amount that you contribute. They give you access to early podcast episodes from the network. One tier gives you access to an exclusive podcast from the network. And so if you have some funds to contribute, we would greatly appreciate if you would do so. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to purchase the episodes because we describe everything that happens within the story. So if you just want to follow along for our banter, you can do that. But if you also want to follow along by watching the episodes that we're covering, you'll definitely get more out of it that way. The other one is Legendary Forces. That's where Juliet and I again, but also with Corey, Joe, and Ashley, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. That's the movies, the TV shows, the comics, the novels. Basically, anything that takes place in the Star Wars universe. We review the content, we tell you how good we think it is, but then we also talk about it within the perspective of the evolving Star Wars universe. So if that sounds interesting to you, definitely check it out. In news for me, I'm sure that you've noticed that I haven't been posting for a while. Things have been very crazy at work and at home. I'm hoping that things are settling down over the next month or two. Things should get back to sort of a steady state normal mode of operations here. Of course, I'm going to Chicago TARDIS at the end of November also, which is the big event that I'm looking forward to, and I'll definitely keep you guys posted if there are any more blips like this, but hopefully from here on out, we're going to be fairly regular again. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Join us back next week when Melissa Benoist 
will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42Cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. And now for some outtakes. <laughs> you know, literally anytime I would I would love to. Okay. Also, huge wrestling Dude. fan. Anytime you want to talk wrestling, I am Boom. always around for that. Excellent. Yeah, I'll beg and plead, please. Bring me back. Will, this yeah. is this is the rare case where, you know, because we have a bunch of people who are all good at jumping in there and just fighting for their space. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> this worked out really well, but you know, I, just like... I, I felt I was much better behaved this time than I was the last time. <laughs> yeah, David, you got to stop thinking on me because you're just as bad as I am, bro. <laughs> it's <laughs> my show here though. Yeah, we were on panels together. Maybe. Will, 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 get your I don't your think anyone show. else spoke on that X-Men panel that we did in 2019 at DragonCon. No, it's like just the two of us spoke and the two or three other people were just like... It was like... Ryan Guthrie, me, you, and who was it? It was, um... Uh, he was our moderator, Henry. Henry. And we're looking. I, I would pause. Look forward and like, say something. Please say something. And then Nathan would speak. And I'm like, oh, I'll wait. The only reason they and and Kelly has told me this from American Sci-Fi Fantasy Media. The only reason I'm not on more of her panels is because I have my own track now, and I just don't have time to be on her panels. But um, I sneak into her room every now and then, and uh, Will and Nathan are usually on her panels at all times. Nathan, (laughs) whenever you're there, but I'll I'll put you on things, Nathan. Will, I've never put on anything. here's the funny thing here's the funny thing it's usually the stuff that you're going to be talking about is the stuff that's the draw for dragon con for me because it's like you know i can talk about like arrow the the arrow verse with anyone you know like that's like not something i need to go to a con for like (laughs) but if i want to talk about you know the 40th anniversary of crawl i need to go to your track whatever that is by you know like that's which we will be doing next year (laughs) i can't (laughs) i can't wait till we do another one of these because i'm gonna start breaking out like the really like awful skeezy ones like i i thought about breaking out showgirls for this one it's close that's a good one (laughs) (laughs) we watch it for different reasons but okay sure (laughs) 42 cast after dark now (laughs) it's a better movie than people think it is yeah i just remember all the buzz around um jesse from saved by the bell being like in that movie If you like Saved by the Bell. I'm uh, in in the Saved by the Bell uh, reunion show that they did on uh, Peacock. They make showgirls jokes. It's great. (laughs)
<laughs> yes, they wow. do. Wow, wow. She, she's oh. she's come around to like, uh, yeah, I did it, and 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 they they just own it. She owns it. Yeah. It's great. Has to. So did her character make showgirls in the movie or in the series? Like... Oh, what happened? I forget. <laughs> okay. So, like, I don't that's remember a weird exactly. Place but... to no, go, it just but... kind of comes up in her direction. Uh, I don't think they make uh, specifically, and I think they make jokes like alluding to her doing stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But... Yeah, because I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I kind of want to watch it, but I don't want to buy it, pay for Peacock. So I'm just kind of mm. like one of these days, you know, if you I gotta get... do the old, you got to do the old classic, uh, get the free trial. Free trial. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to watch that. I want to watch the Punky Brewster I mean, sequel I, series. You know, I have Peacock because I had WWE Network. And then when yes. that went away, it is yeah. less money to have Peacock than WWE Network ever was. So, yes. yeah. That's that. That's uh, that's kind of the same thing uh, with me. But also, Peacock has Girls Five Eva, which is tremendous. It is. It's a very good show. Yeah, so far, Peacock just hasn't had anything that's a huge enough draw for me to, you know, if I'm going to shell out money for a month of something, I'll get Paramount Plus or HBO Max. You know, I sort of WWE live events. That's the only reason I have it. Right. Yeah. See, that's the thing, and I'm not a wrestling guy, but it's like, yeah, like mm. you know, I'll pay for and HBO Max on for your a show, month. Joe. I'll watch all the HBO Max things I want to watch, and then I'll drop it, and then I'll pay for Paramount Plus for a month, and I'll watch nice. all the Paramount Plus things that I want to watch. I, HBO Max was a was a pretty worthy service to have. It was. Yeah. It was. Past tense. Past tense. I'm yeah. ditching it. I, I that I'm so mad right now. Honestly, I think it's a breach of contract what they're pulling. I'm I'm gonna pay for it because I need to do. Now that Young Justice is done, I'm going to do Young Justice, Doom Patrol, and Titans, uh, Flight Attendant. There's like several, there's quite a few shows that they have now banked up where I'm like going to be like, I'm going to pay for a month or two, watch all the ones I want to watch and then drop it. (laughs) I need to bust through Harley Quinn season three before they randomly decide to just remove it. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. The, the 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 issue I have with that whole thing, and the, uh, again, the whole we could do a whole podcast. We probably will. Um, uh, I mean, y'all could do a whole podcast. And anyway, but the the my my biggest issue is DC is DC, and the outsiders whom you're merging with, not the cool outsiders like in DC comics, the <laughs> outsiders who you're merging with, decide okay. I'm not spending money on the thing, one of the things that was the reason why I wanted to merge with you in the first place. Yes. Right. DC Universe is a major part of Warner Brothers. And, and they're right, they're using it as a tax You wouldn't know it, though, from the way Warner had been operating. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I, I could spend uh, probably an hour and a half talking about Warner Brothers and DC's third 10-year plan in the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's messed up in multiple ways because yeah there's there's the movie side there's the hbo max side and then there's the cw side which has the further complication of now this merger has happened now they want to sell 
the C they're going to keep like a tiny stake in the CW and them and they and Paramount are selling like the majority of their stake. And so then yep. that puts all the stuff because like the president of the CW uh, though was like, well, you know, at least for now we wanted to renew this stuff, but then because discovery bought Warner, they didn't want to pay for the studio space. That's the thing. And so they axed yep. a whole bunch of shows because of that. We, we, and then the new people are going to come in and own the CW and God knows if they're going to cancel what's left, you know? So it's just like, I mean, the way that discovery treated like the, scripted shows that existed on tbs and tnt like canceling them uh, literally days before they were set to premiere it's just like uh, these are these are creative people that like say what you want about disney when disney gobbled up everything in the known universe but disney didn't treat anything it gobbled up that way with like open disdain i mean it went back from open disdain which it did toward the netflix shows now has embraced them yeah. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, it seems like certain things, like for instance, the Orville, which is something they acquired from Fox. It looks like they're willing to evaluate and say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe this is something we should invest in," because they're moving it over to Disney Plus next yep. week. I, this coming and now week. I I will probably watch it, even though like I had tried to get into it in season one and absolutely hated it. Oh. But I, I'm See, told that they, it is much better now. What now they've that they started like, doing, yeah, JD, what they've started doing is. When before it was lots of jokes, but you kind of felt like well, they, they, if you take the jokes out, um, it's a good Star Trek episode. This season, they pretty much took the jokes out. That's what I've heard. So I also have to get past my barrier of like Seth MacFarlane's personality grates yeah. on me to the point that I, I, that is a significant but, barrier yeah. to get past. But I think he's he's such a fanboy of Star Trek. Yes, yes. That he had Definitely. to do this. Had he gotten just anyone else to be the captain, it no we no one would. I don't know that we'd have they'd be having the same discussions about. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, I, my thought on the Orville is a lot more like I I expected Family Guy in space and I was impressed from the not the first of the first episode. I was kind of like, OK, this is like Family Guy maybe a tiny bit more serious than I expected, but it's about what I expected. By the third episode to me, they had already just started doing hard hitting sci fi. Oh, this is season one. You know, where I was like, you know, the whole thing about Topa, you know, and the sex change and all of that, like where I was like, wow, this is like hard hitting sci-fi. This is a lot more serious than I expected. And while the first season wobbled a bit on the humor and everything, I, I felt like they were doing that hard sci-fi stuff a lot more than I expected. And then season two, I think they dialed it in pretty well. So it was still a humorous show, but had like a lot of drama. This season, I felt like went too far because I'm like, that's the thing that made Orville different was that it still had the humor and had the drama and this season felt like there's just no until the last episode like the final episode the actual finale brought some humor back um but for the most part it was like no humor at all and even the jokes they did have like didn't land like Mm. there's this whole joke about a super strength woman and like a like a regular strength a human guy and like them trying to like have a relationship a physical relationship and like she's constantly like breaking his bones and stuff i'm like this isn't funny and they kept going back to it. And I was like, you know, one time was okay, but like, you just keep going back to it throughout the episode. They keep trying and she keeps like breaking his bones and stuff. And I'm like, that's, it's not funny. Well, they know? made that, they made a very similar joke on Family Guy. I, I think that's the other barrier that I have to get past is uh, McFarlane has made some very anti-trans jokes on Family Guy that I, that is a barrier for me to get past for sure. Um. Yeah. 
don't are warring in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> I subscribe. So you lost a will. That was well done. Boom. One that was well done. <laughs> Net zero. Yep. <laughs> Net zero, baby. Not a loss. That's that's my slogan. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.